So how many of you have ever been to one of these massive haunted house places? One of these like in a warehouse haunted houses? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. A few of you? So this is the kind of place where they convert an empty warehouse space into a maze of darkness for things to jump out at you, strange sounds to surround you, random smoke machines to blow smoke, and then of course there's the flashing light that gives you this much so you can kind of see, but just for a second, and then you don't know what's coming at you. You guys get the idea, right? So. I really, really, really hate those kind of places <laughs> because I don't like not knowing what's in front of me. I don't like feeling unsafe and, you know, even though I'm fairly certain when I go into one of these places that I will come out alive because obviously the whole line of people that are going in are also coming out. So statistics say that I have a high probability of surviving. I don't like going into these places because I'm not in control. I don't know what's in front of me. I don't have my safety net. I don't know where my emergency exit is. I can't just quit when I want to because I'm in the middle of a dark maze of things that want to grab me or feel like they want to grab a hold of me and pull me into the depths of hell. And I don't like that. Mostly because I'm not in control. And I kind of like at least the illusion of control. I really like that if I want to stop, I can just stop. It's a safety and security thing. It's, I, I like to feel safe. And I don't feel safe when I don't know what's out there. And if I'm being honest, that's really what I want from God. I want God to make everything safe and secure. Um, I don't mind stepping out into the midst of the storm as long as it's from, you know, within the uh, uh, entryway there where I can look out on the storm. I don't actually have to be in it. You know, I don't want to actually have to step into and risk the danger because, you know, who wants the danger? I don't know what's going to happen. I like to be safe and secure. And so what I want from God is to make it really safe and secure for me to step out in faith. Right? I mean, if we're being honest, most of us want that safety and the security. I mean, who likes to take a risk? Okay, sometimes it's fun, but every day, for our faith, what's going to happen? If I walk out on the quad wearing this, what are people going to think about me? Are they going to know this is a church outfit? Do they know it's like the uniform for a pastor? And that's just a little risk. What if I go stand out in the middle of the quad and start preaching like I did uh, during uh, Methodist Heritage Week, pretending to be John Wesley? What's going to happen then? I don't know. Will people jeer at me? Will I be considered a crazy person? Will I be the crazy person on the corner who's trying to tell people about God's love, but all they hear is the crazy guy yelling? There's risks sometimes behind our faith, and I don't really like that. I like to be safe and secure. And so I want God's love and power to protect me from all of those things that might go wrong or do me harm. 
That's actually what our, the psalmist is uh, asking for in the psalm that we heard this evening. He's craving this security and declaring that the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. And this is God's promise in response to that. For he will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Safe and secure, high on the rock. That's where I want to be if I'm being honest. And there's good reason for this. I mean, safety and security in the arms of God is this incredible thing. If you've never truly experienced that moment of knowing that God is love and that God loves you, that's the kind of moment I'm talking about here. Think about that for a moment, that moment of knowing that God is love and God loves you. What does that feel like? It's a great place to be, right? To be just abiding in the presence of God and knowing you are loved by God and no matter what happens in your life, no matter where things twist and turn or the ups and downs that happen, that God is going to love you no matter what, that's a great place to be. It feels safe and secure. It's warm. It's cozy. That's where I want to be. But, isn't there almost always a but? As great as that time and place and space are, the deeper we nuzzle into our nurturing mother, the more that, it, the more that becomes expected of those of us who have found and experienced that. When we experience that safety and security in God, God then expects something of us, which is that we will share that experience with others. We'll invite others into that safety and security, that we will invite others to come and know the love of God, to know that they are loved by God, that God is love. And so that safety net of safety and security that God offers us, well, God doesn't force us out of it, but God invites us to take a risk and step out of it. And then to pick up the net and cast it so that it might catch others. It's a big risk to step out of the net. But God calls us as those who have experienced to know how wonderful God's love is to share that experience with others. And so we're called to step out, to drop our nets, to go and live in a new way this new covenant way, this thing that Jesus set up that says that your sins are forgiven because I love you. It's the way of everlasting love, the way of peace, the way of righteousness. And it's a way that looks at empire and says there is a power greater than even you. And so we are called to cast our nets so that our nets might catch others into God's loving embrace. That's, after all, what happened the day, that day on the shore when Jesus encountered these fishermen. Jesus had just returned from 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. 
Just before that, he had been baptized. And then John the Baptist was arrested. And so Jesus withdraws to Galilee as the empire flexes its muscles, once again reminding the people that they live under Caesar's powerful thumb. The empire is this powerful thing that continues to exist today. It comes in lots of different ways, and sometimes it is in actual governments, and sometimes it's just in people in our lives. Empire comes in all kinds of ways, but however it comes, however you find empire, it has this unique ability to be able to lift people up and also tear them down. It can make things a lot better for you, or it can destroy you. There's something about that lack of control that I don't like. I don't like that empire has power in my life. And it often has this equally paralyzing and infuriating reaction in me. Paralyzed because I don't feel like I know what I can do to oppose empire, the powers that be. How do I stop what is not in my control. And infuriating because I want to, but I don't know how. And my response is often wanting to lash out in anger. Because, well, what else do you do when you're furious? Except the psalmist also told us today to refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For the wicked shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. And the reason not to dwell in anger is because there's something higher. The God who has created all things and placed all things in order stands as a power far greater than empire. In fact, I would even say that we don't stand in opposition to empire. Because to say we're in opposition to empire sounds like, well, there's God's way and there's empire's way, and they're kind of, you know, we could go either. God's way is far greater than empire because God, uh, empire's power is minuscule compared to that of the Almighty who has created everything and set all things into order whose power is, by the way, only surpassed by God's everlasting love for us. God who can do all things. Empire is something that comes and goes. Empire is fleeting power. God is the true power. And so, as we look at our text today, we see the empire is flexing its muscles, arresting this rabble-rouser John the Baptist who's calling people into the desert and dunking them under water and telling them that their sins are forgiven and that there is one even greater than him coming behind him. And Jesus, Jesus being God, takes this other path. He turns to the fishermen on the shore there in Galilee, and he doesn't say, come, let's take up arms and take up insurrection. Let's free John the Baptist and riot against the Roman powers. No, Jesus instead says, drop your nets 
and follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Jesus doesn't respond with anger and wrath. He responds by organizing around the better way of the kingdom of God and the gospel of God's love. And so Jesus calls them to let go of their places of security, to risk everything, to come and follow him. Jesus is calling, inviting them to boldly jump out of their nets and to show the world that the empire does not really hold the power. In the face of empire, the one who has the appearance of control, we are also called to step out of our nets and to take up this faith, to speak truth to power, to risk everything to declare the dignity and worth of all persons, to look around the world and see the imagio Dei in everyone, which is the image of God that we have all been molded in. We look in the face of empire and say, I don't see what you see. I see children of God everywhere I look. I don't see the others, whoever they might be. I don't see Republicans and Democrats. I don't see the folks who would tear others down and destroy others' lives. I see everywhere, in every face, every single face, everyone in the image of God. Think about that for a second. Every face, in every face, is the image of God. That's definitely stepping out, out of my comfort zone and out of my safety zone, because sometimes I don't like everybody. I am, after all, only human, and it's sometimes hard to look in the face of some people and say, the things you say and do are counter to everything I believe and stand for, and then look at them and say, but you're a child of God, and so I love you. And I want you to know God loves you. That's maybe the riskiest thing we can ever do, to look the person who we are arguing with, who we are fighting and clashing with in the clash of civilizations that it seems to be so many things are these days, is to look in the face of the other person, the other side, and say, you are a beloved child of God. And you deserve grace. Because I've been given grace. And so we step out, and we don't actually take empire into consideration because whatever empire's positions are, empire's positions, we have our positions in our place. It's all of those things I just said. And we don't step out just to level the playing field. But like the bishop said on Wednesday at the MLK service, we are lifting all up to the heights of Almighty God. Evening the playing field leaves people down here. We're lifting all up to the God who is reaching down to pick us up, 
to hold us, to catch us into that lovely, warm, incredible net of God's grace. And we're inviting all into this thing we call the kingdom of heaven that Jesus tells us is near. N.T. Wright, uh, Anglican bishop, says, We're not escaping from this world into another, but into God's sovereign rule on earth as it is in heaven. Not in the future are we living in the kingdom of heaven, so someday I can treat everyone like children of God, but today everyone is a child of God. Everyone deserves dignity, to be treated with dignity and worth. Every person is of value. Every person brings something uniquely wonderful to this earth. And for that reason, I value everyone. Jesus called the disciples to come and follow me. And he says to them, let's go proclaim the good news of the kingdom that is drawn near. Let's go out curing sickness and disease of everyone we meet. And when they did this, they were stepping out boldly into this call, into their destiny. And in that moment, they began something. Sometimes the hardest step in this whole process of doing these things, of stepping out and risking it all, of preaching and teaching and living the gospel is taking that first step out of the net, of stepping out of our safety and security and risking it so that others might find it. But it's the beginning of a journey when we do that. And it's something that transforms us. This is actually just the very beginning of Jesus' ministry on earth. And the disciples are just beginning to walk in their faith. At least what it will become. These disciples who, we, who came to be known as the apostles, one of them, Peter, who became the rock on which Jesus would build the church. They were just beginning, and it began with that first step, taking that one step, and it transformed their lives when they put down their nets, and they followed Jesus. And so Jesus and God is calling us to do the same, to welcome the warmth and security and the incredibleness of that safety net that we have in God. And then to step out, to take up our own radical call, to live in a radical way that declares God's love with everything we do, to step out of our safety net and share it with others. Amen.